Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Well, you know, so with Welcoming Sunday, it got me thinking of a story. I thought maybe I'd start with a little joke. What, what do you think of that, Taylor? Can you, can you handle a little joke? What? A uh, joke? I know. Uh-oh. Taylor loves it when I share my hilarious jokes. This is actually a story that happened last week at church at the 830 service. Jeremy was upstairs welcoming people like we do, being a welcoming church. He's there at the front door welcoming folks, and in flies a moth. This moth flies in, and Jeremy says, Well, good morning, Mr. Moth. Welcome to Elk River Lutheran Church. And the moth says, Church? Oh, yuck. Church? I I have no time for church. I was raised Catholic. I was raised in a Catholic church. And the only good thing about the Catholics is that they don't let women be in charge of anything. Holy buckets, Jeremy. Takes a step back. He's like, Whoa, moth. Woo! I don't know. I hate to break it to you, but we're an ELCA church. We're a Lutheran church. We actually have a female bishop, both at our synod and the churchwide national bishop are both women. We, we actually think that women should be in charge of some things, and that's actually a really good thing. And the moth says, oh, gosh, tell me about it. Oh, this, see, this church thing's no good. The moth says, you know, see, you, you know what else I don't like are kids. I bet you let kids in here, too, huh? Jeremy says, well, yeah, you know, we, we love kids. We're, we love it when they're at worship. And, and so, you know, Jesus said, let the children come. And he goes, kids, oh, and Jesus, don't even get me started on that guy. And Jeremy's like, holy buckets. I mean, can you believe this moth here? I mean, and so, uh, you know, the moth continues. He just, he's just going on a rampage. And he's like, you know who else I don't like? The elderly. You don't have any of those around here, do you? Oh, man, you know, they got that smell. Oh, no thanks, no thanks. It's not me, Taylor, it's the moth saying this. Yeah, punchline, Nathan. No, 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 we'll get there, we'll get there. He says, you know what I do love about the older folks, though? Closets full of old clothes. Ooh, it's like a smorgasbord every day. I love it. But that moth, he just just can't get over it. He's like, you know who else I don't like? The millennials with all their texting and Gen X with their Doc Martin combat boots stomping around like they own the place. And you know what? I got got no time for any of these people, any age, any nothing. I got nothing. No time for people in general. People are the worst. Nathan, we have time for a punchline at some point. And Jeremy says, Jeremy says, well, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, we love people. We love a whole variety of people, all kinds of, you know, different ages, different backgrounds. You know, we welcome them. We love them. You know, so we encourage, you know, come on and slap a name tag on and you'll be a part of the group. And he says, a name tag, a self-adhesive, I'm a moth. Yeah, I mean, you've seen those fly traps. What are you trying to kill me here? 
Jeremy says, okay, sorry, sorry, that was rude, that was rude. And then the moth looks and he says, and what's that over there? He points to the piano, and Jeremy says, well, that's a piano, you know. It <laughs> makes music. And Jeremy says, that's, that's a piano. The moth says, that is, not a <laughs> that is not a piano. You know what that is? That's a moth death machine. It's full of these hammers that are covered in fabric. And so unsuspecting moths find their way in. They nibble on that little delicious fabric, and all of a sudden, Boom, 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 boom. That thing, that is a moth mausoleum right here in the sanctuary. Y'all should be ashamed of yourself for all the moths that have died there. Oh. And, punch and so Jeremy said, would you like Over to come to the coffee hour? You know, we, we, we have coffee and water, maybe a little treat. And the moth says, do I look like I drink coffee or water? I need nectar. Give me that lemonade or juice. Come on. I can't. I got nothing for this. You, this church is the worst. Jeremy says, you know, I'm really sorry. We try to be a welcoming church. I want to welcome you, Mr. Moth, but it kind of seems like everything we are all about and celebrate is our life together and the diversity of people we gather together. Like everything we are for, you are against. I mean, I don't even get it, Moth. Like, why did you even come in here today? And the Moth says, well, I saw the light on. Really? <laughs> All that? <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> we do our best to be a welcoming church, and so we celebrate being welcoming, even a pastor to tell along, maybe not even all that funny jokes. <laughs> that is actually a little bit of an adaptation of a joke by the great and now late Norm MacDonald, the comedian who passed away, tells this moth joke told on Conan a number of years ago. He's so funny, and so I just try to channel a, a wee little bit of that. Uh, but we celebrate that we as a church do strive to be welcoming. And uh, like we'll talk about, sometimes it's not always easy, but boy, when we come together as a community, it is a time of joy and peace and life is good. So thanks for being here. Thanks for putting up with my long-winded but hilarious jokes. Uh, and uh, we're going to start off our service by singing together a song. So Taylor, take it away. Yes. The chorus goes like this. Hallelujah. Oops. Hallelujah. Nathan's finally done. No, that's not the chorus. No, this is I Belong. I will sing the chorus first, and we can follow along in there. I'll get the right key. It goes like this. Today's reading comes from Romans chapter 15. Welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of, the, of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here ends the reading.
Well, that's about all the time we have for today. So thanks for coming to worship. I don't know, where does the time go? Well, it is Welcoming Sunday. And so uh, we celebrate this thing that we try to be as a church, welcoming. And for the sermon today, I, I didn't want the whole sermon to be just about these welcoming things that we try to do as a church, even though they're really important. So the whole sermon isn't just going to be an encouragement to say, hey, make sure you welcome one another, right? When you come to church, smile at each other, introduce yourself to someone, say hello. Those are all good and important things we do. You know, we have hospitality, we have snacks over there, we uh, do the online stream, so even if people can't come here in person, we want to welcome them as well. We cheer for them at the beginning of the service. We do all these things to try to be the welcoming church that God calls us to be. But what I want to talk about today is something that's actually a little bit different take on that. And that is to think about the power of a welcome in the midst of division. The power of welcome in, in a world of division. Because what I hear a lot and what I experience a lot lately is sayings like, we've never been more divided. Or, I can't even talk to my family about this, so we just don't even go there. There's all these examples of really passionate issues that have people feeling divided. Now, I'm not so sure that we're more divided than ever, because after all, our country did fight a civil war once. We were born out of a revolutionary war. There have been all kinds of stressful things in life before, but it feels pretty divided right now, doesn't it? I, I mean, uh, it does feel like a divided time. And that's why I think what the Apostle Paul has to say in the scripture reading we read here today, and really all throughout his letters, is really fitting. Because the Apostle Paul is writing to the early church. And so when I say the early church, I mean right around the year 50 A.D., the Apostle Paul. So that's like 20 years after Jesus has walked the earth, 20 years after Jesus has been crucified, died, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And so at that time, the early church started forming. And uh, from the beginning, they kind of uh, felt the conflict that was in the greater community. Because after all, you had this Roman Empire that was an outside occupying force. You had all these different cultural and ethnic groups coming together. And so even within the early church, there was conflict and division. People felt differently about very passionate subjects. And the biggest example of this and the biggest flashpoint of it where you had two main groups of people in churches. In the early church, you had the Jews, these Jewish followers of Jesus, and you had these Gentiles, these Gentile followers of Jesus. The Jews were exactly, you know, Jewish people, you know, the people of Moses, uh, the people of Abraham, the promised land. Uh, and, and so that was the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. His earliest disciples were all Jewish. But Jesus' ministry wasn't just to the Jewish people. He also talked to all kinds of other people, of other religions and of other ethnic groups. And so you ended up with these followers of Jesus who were in an other category, and they all get called Gentiles. Some of them are Roman, some of them are Greek, maybe some of them are Assyrian, Palestinian, you name it. There's all these different ethnic groups, but they just get called Gentiles. So you have this early church that has two main groups, Gentiles and Jews. And, you know, they were friendly, but they didn't always get along. They had so many things that were different, like, and big things, like 
language. They spoke different languages. The people of uh, Israel, these Jewish folks, they had spoken Hebrew or Aramaic, a more localized version of Hebrew. And so they were speaking that language. That was the language of the Old Testament, the Psalms and the, the Pentateuch, those first books of the Bible. They were all written in Hebrew. But then you had this Gentile group who spoke mostly Greek. Uh, Alexander the Great had come into the Holy Land and conquered it in like 300 BC. Then the Romans had come in and taken over for them in around 60 BC. And so then you had this Roman occupying force, but they're still speaking Greek mostly and about a hundred other languages. And so when these groups got together for church, they'd start the service and Half of them are speaking one language and half of them are literally speaking another language. So how do you think it went? Not great always. It was kind of confusing sometimes. And so uh, they would read one scripture reading in Hebrew, read another scripture reading in Greek, and it got confusing. They also had the issue of time. Believe it or not, here's how Romans tell time. Uh, The Romans, they would start counting hours at midnight and count 12 hours all the way around the clock. And then at noon, they would start counting again 12 hours. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's us. That's how we tell time. It's the Roman way of telling time. Prior to that, the Jewish folks and those Jewish Christians, they kept time in another way. They started counting the hours at dawn. So you start at dawn, one, two, three, four. And so when they say, hey, church is at 1030 this, today, we'll, we'll see you there. They'd say 10, 1030. Like, is that, is, that, is that a nighttime? Is that a daytime? Is that morning? Uh, you just didn't know because different times. Okay, I think you get it, right? There were some major differences right down to the food that they ate. When they'd gather for a potluck dinner, you had these, uh, these uh, Jewish folks who keep kosher, which means, you know, no pork. Food has to be prepared and blessed in a certain way. And so you have a Gentile bringing, you know, bacon-wrapped little Smokies in a crock pot to the potluck dinner, and half the people are saying, yes, this is the best day ever. These are delicious. And you have literally half the rest of the church saying, we can't eat that. Or, you know, you know God has said, no, that's unclean. Don't do this. And so it was confusing. Even potluck dinners become a flashpoint in this time of division. And then there was the whole issue of circumcision, which I won't go into in depth. But if you know what circumcision is, the Jews practiced circumcision. On the eighth day, a Jewish boy was circumcised, and that was the tradition. If you became Jewish later, that was a step you had to take. And so these Jewish followers of Jesus are saying, well, Gentiles, if you want to really be followers of Jesus, you have to do this thing, guys. And the Gentiles are saying, I'm not so sure if that's something we need to do. And so over and over again, there were differences big and small that had this church in conflict. And so the Apostle Paul, who is like their kind of chief, he's almost like a bishop-y type person, but he's not. He's just the person who travels around and helps them work through issues. And when he's not there in person, he writes them letters to help them work out these issues. And so he writes a letter to the church in Rome. We call it Romans. And in chapter 15, we get this reading that we heard this morning where he lifts up what I think are three main things to tell them. Here's how to deal with division in some simple ways, but, you know, here's three things you can do. And here's what Paul says. One, he says, uh, do what you can do. Two, he says, remember that Jesus loves those people as much as Jesus loves you. 
And then finally, the interesting thing Paul does at the end is rather than ending with a promise that this is going to be an easy thing to do, dealing with division, he ends with a blessing. He ends with a blessing instead of a promise that it'll be easy. Those three things, that's kind of it. So there we go. We, got, we know how to deal with division, right? He says, do what you can do. He basically says to them, you can't control what other people think. You can't control what other people do, but you can control what you think, and you can control what you do. So he says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, so you should welcome one another. We think about welcoming as this like kind of smiling at the beginning of church, right? And wave and shake hands and introduce yourself. But he's talking about welcoming in the context of really deep division where people have really big differences of opinion. And he says, welcome one another. He says, can we meet nastiness with kindness? Can we, you know, be true to what we believe? Can we speak the truth, but can we do it with love? Can we welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed us? Because after all, Jesus loves those people, those people, just as much as Jesus loves you. This is a sermon Jeremy did just a few weeks ago. If you were here, you know, he talked about those people. For the Jews and the Gentiles, he was telling each of those groups, he was saying, hey, Gentiles, Jesus loves the Jews. Hey, Jews, Jesus loves the Gentiles. Uh, And whoever those people are in our lives, the message is the same, that Jesus loves those people. So how does that shape how we feel about them if we know that they are blessed and loved children of God? But finally, what what Paul does when he gets to the end of it is, like I said, he doesn't end with a promise that this will be easy. If you just remember these two first things, it's all going to be good, folks. Divisions just melt away, right? Just do what you can do. And remember, Jesus loves those people. You're good. Instead of saying that, he ends with a blessing. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cling to hope that this is something that we can attain, that we can at least make the world a little bit better place, that when we do our best, when we do all that we can do, when we remember that Jesus loves all of those people, we can experience that joy and that peace that God hopes for us. So this is our calling, straight from Romans 15, straight from the Apostle Paul, to remember to do what you can do. Remember that Jesus loves those people just as much as Jesus loves you, and that's good news, because Jesus loves you, and to some people, you're probably those people. Jesus loves you, and with this promise, we remember, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life.
to be powered by love.